Napa know-how. Right now, you can get a $20 prepaid Visa gift card by mail with the purchase of a Napa Legend Premium Battery. Its durability and power make it the obvious choice for people who hate getting stranded by a dead car battery. So pretty much everyone. The Napa Legend Premium Battery and $20 back. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Limit two per household while supplies last. Offer ends 228.19. Welcome to the Skull King Fantasy Football Podcast. Presented by Vox DFS Firelines. Now, here are your hosts, Justin Stephon Gilmore go to the Patriots. Now they let Mike Gillisley go to the Patriots. Are they now just the farm club within their own division? Greg. He's one of these faux leading women. It's like, that's not Angelina Jolie or Jennifer Anderson. It's some girl that I would see at the Circle K. That's kind of Alshon Jeffrey. And Ryan. There is absolutely no reason why O.J. Howard should be drafted before Cameron Brate. Welcome, everybody, back to another Skull King Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Ryan Skullrood, and we are so happy to have you with us tonight. The last preseason show uh, we are on tonight, Wednesday. Uh, for those listening to this on iTunes, you'll be hearing this Thursday morning, um, us giving kind of our last takes before, the, oh, before the, one of the greatest times of the year, the beginning of football season. Unfortunately, it's the Patriots that get to go first. So, uh, <laughs> uh, a couple things before we actually get started and get into the news and notes and get going with this episode. Uh, we wanted to thank those of you who entered into our contest for um, the JHI and Martavis Bryant jerseys. Um, we have not had a chance to actually get those names together yet. It's uh, been a little hectic with me doing a career change um, and getting a whole bunch of stuff taken care of for that. So, we will make that announcement soon on who on who got uh, who got what jerseys and the uh, skull king t-shirt so um after that we would still appreciate you guys going to uh, itunes uh to give us a rating and or review of our podcast we'd love to know your thoughts on on how we're doing and uh what you think of us so uh, if you again go to itunes uh look up the skull king fantasy football podcast uh and leave us a review and we would greatly appreciate that all right, so tonight on the show, I've got Justin and Greg with me, and we are going to go over, again, news and notes, and then we are going to give our bold predictions for this season. It may be fantasy-related. It may be just NFL-related in general, You know, a team that we think will do well or a team we think is going to stink. Um, so that's kind of uh, where we're going to be going with this tonight, kind of give our final thoughts on the preseason and get ready for... Uh, for fantasy football to officially go live with games uh, Thursday night with the Patriots and the Chiefs. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get this uh, get this started. Um, due to uh, Hurricane Irma, the Dolphins and Bucks will instead um, play their game instead of Week One. Both teams basically lose their Week Eleven bye, and they've moved the game to Week Eleven instead. Um, this, I mean, I th this is a is a I think the best possible scenario um, to be able to do this. I think it, it's going to stink for those teams that are going to need a little bit of a 
little bit of rest, but um, but I think that this is the best possible uh, best possible outcome for them to do this. Uh, so um, for those of you who are having a little trouble because of this game, uh, I lose Jay Ajayi this week in a game that I'm already um, already the underdog in. Um, lose my number one running back, so uh, you know obviously I've got to make some changes. I know that some people have, you know, Mike Evans, Jameis Winston, um, so that you know it's okay to take a hit this first week. It's just week one. Everyone wants to start out with a bang, but for the reason that we're having, I you know you can get over it. To be completely honest, you can get over a loss in week one. And, and depending on how your waiver wires are set up, you might benefit. From losing week one. That's possible. All right. Um, Ezekiel Elliott's six-game suspension has been upheld. However, because the, the announcement of that came in late enough, um, the NFL is allowing him to play week one against the Giants. On top of that, the, his representation um, has also filed an injunction uh, against the um, NFL to basically get rid of the suspension, um, and it's going to federal courts. We'll see how that goes. It very well could get reduced. It could get dropped. So um, for those of you who took the chance and drafted Ezekiel Elliott, you know, no one to hold him, no one to fold him. Got to gamble. So Well, you can't fold him. <laughs> Well, he will take up a roster spot for most of the season and produce nothing for you. Well, that's if it's held up. So I, I don't, I don't personally. I, I've read into it. I don't see this going away. I don't see it getting negated or limited. With the NFL's hard stance against domestic violence, they're so careful to try and avoid another Ray Rice issue. I don't think there's any possibility that it gets reduced at all. Personally, especially when he went and accused. <coughs> the league of a league-wide conspiracy. If you're going to go, and their entire argument is, this is a league-wide conspiracy, that's not going to go over well. So I, I don't think there's any chance of that getting reduced, regardless of what this check said, and maybe there's some mitigating circumstances there, but I don't think that that plays a role this season. All right, Leonard Fournette uh, is no longer listed on the Jaguars' injury report and is ready for week one against the Texans. Leonard Fournette was consider you know some considered the best the best uh, running back to come to come out of the class. Some said that it was Joe Mixon. What are what are you guys expecting out of Fournette this year from the Jags? Considering they're not that great of a team, and they're going to have to kind of rely on him since Blake Bortles is their quarterback. Ugly faces are, <laughs> are telling me major stories right now. Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, he still has the potential to be, you know, quite productive because it's not like we haven't seen in the past where a bad team had a good running back and that running back ended up being very productive. You know, let's take my childhood of watching the Chicago Bears. They had Walter Payton and the rest of that team stuck. Um, they, they make the current Bears look like, the, you know, the greatest team there ever was. So, and that guy led the league in rushing every year. Now, I'm not saying Leonard Fournette's Walter Payton, but, you know, given the position that he's in, he's going to get the carries. He doesn't play in the toughest uh, division there is. He doesn't have that tough That's of a great. schedule. He's going to vulture anything around the goal line because you're not going to put it in Bortles' hands. So, I mean, I think you still look at Fournette being uh, a rock-solid number two 
to start the season. He could be. He could finish at number one, but I think he's, you can't go any lower than a rock solid two. Justin, you're muted. Primary problem with Leonard Fournette has nothing to do with Fournette. It has everything to do with the god-awful offensive line that no one seems to be talking about. And last year, you had, you had veterans who couldn't get squat done on the offensive line. You're talking about a team that couldn't run the ball, not because of scheme, but because of talent on the offensive line. Now, they're okay – pass blocking they can buy Bortles some time for him to throw some interceptions they can't <laughs> unblock to save themselves and and I don't see yes Fournette is a bruising type of running back but he's gonna he's not going to have the room or the space he's going to get contacted too early from uh, around the line of scrimmage which will not give him the chance to find holes and get gaps to break larger runs um, for him to be uh, I have him more later two, early three, just because I don't believe in the offensive line. And I think, once again, the Jaguars are going to have to be in some shootouts, and they're going to have to throw the ball because their defense ain't that great either. So um, I think there's more things working against Leonard Fournette. Not his talent, but because of what's around him will prevent him from becoming a running back one, maybe even a running back two this year. All righty. Eric Ebron, hamstring is no longer listed on the Lions injury report for week one against the Cardinals. You know, you could call Eric Ebron a post-type sleeper because of how much he has been praised and, and, and vaunted as a possible sleeper every year for the last two or three years since he came into the league. This year, he missed a lot of training camp with his hamstring injury. They, they lost Anquan Bolden. I mean, I they don't have much in terms of big body for the red zone. I think Ebron's their best their best bet until Kenny Galladay is brought up to speed. Kenny Galladay, <laughs> Kenny Galladay, <laughs> and they also have um also have uh, Michael Roberts, the other the the tight end they drafted this year, who's another you know monster of a body to be putting uh, in the red zone. I just I'm back and forth on Eric Ebron. I don't know for sure if I can trust him, to be completely honest. So, moving on, uh, 49ers, here's a, an, another sleeper that's been, uh, that's just gotten injured. 49ers tight end, George Kittle, aggravated his hamstring and would be limited in practice. George Kittle, I believe, was out of Iowa. Um, and when Vance McDonald got traded to Pittsburgh, everyone thought, okay, so now, you know, Kittle really is, you know, he's going to, get all the work he's already missed a bunch of practice time because of this hamstring now he's re-aggravated it so um i think that he's a guy to watch down the road but for now i think we uh we leave him off tyler eifert is practicing in full this week with his knee don't worry he'll get injured by week three yeah it'll be quick <laughs> it'll be quick and painful yeah exactly Coach Pete Carroll said Eddie Lacy is ready for a full load if needed for week one against the Packers now that Thomas Rawls is questionable uh, for week one with a high ankle sprain. Um, you know, let, let's be honest. We have made multiple jokes about Eddie Lacy being feast mode. Just the, the amount the of weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the egg roll. Um, and how and just his weight issues. Could we see 
if the if if Seahawks have actually put together, if we actually find out they've actually semi put together in a somewhat cohesive offensive line that could maybe even just finish middle of the pack ratings wise, if they could do that, I think that the I think that the running game will take off. And with playing in Green Bay, do we think do we think that Eddie Lacy, if given a full load, can actually stick it to his old team? I I I I think there's motivation there. Um, once again, even us here in Seattle, I'm once I will always be questioning the offensive line until they go out and spend money on a starting lineman, not a uh, Jaguars throwaway. Um, but it's one of those things that if if Lacey can stay healthy, people need to understand that. He's going to have to have a work uh, a full workload in week one, because if Rawls already has an ankle issue, they're not going to force him the ball out of the gate. He's he's too important for the long haul of the season. So I see more of an Eddie Lacy um, focus, maybe a Carson or a Procise uh, later on um, to kind of to kind of counterbalance some things later in the game. But I think Eddie Lacy is primed for, for a big game um, against the Packers defense that can be sketchy at times against the run. I would start Lacy. I mean, I don't think that it's pretty rare that you don't start a player when they go back against their former team, right? You always usually want to take that shot. Uh, I think that the odds benefit you generally having at least an above average game in production. Uh, so I, I think this – is a great litmus test for Eddie Lacy because I'll tell you what, if he doesn't produce in this week, um, that's certainly not all that inspiring for the Seahawks going forward. Because if he's not going to get up for this game, what games do you get up for? That's true. You know, you can't just have a, a buffet line, you know, sitting at the out, out, you know outside the end zone trying to motivate the guy, you know, for every single for every single game with different foods and so forth out there for him to to look at. Um, you know, he's he has to be. He has to want this for himself, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't show it this weekend, then I think that's uh, that's a bad sign. There's a lot of cheese for this game, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, sticking with the Seahawks, Coach Pete Carroll said that CJ Procise uh, is 100% healthy. I just don't think that he can stay healthy. If if I mean if it gets whittled down, at least here's the deal. At least if if their offensive line, if they're Options with Rawls and Lacey get whittled down. They at least have Chris Carson who can take over as a bruiser back so that doesn't have to be CJ Procise. Because he played yeah, he played great last year in that New England game, running between the tackles. But his biggest plays were the pass plays. Were the you know the sweeps outside and the and the uh, and the shovel or in the uh, um the the passes out to the outlets. So that's where he plays best. And is less likely to get injured. So I think if they can manage to keep everyone healthy, he will stay healthy. If he has to be pushed into a bigger role, well, we'll lose him after a game or two again. So, And poor, I mean, this, yeah, it's somewhat fantasy related if you play IDP. Poor Browns. The defensive end, Miles Garrett, injured his ankle during practice and was not able to finish. Um, let me see. They're awaiting an MRI, but early signs are that this is a multi-week injury. He's in doubt for the season opener and could miss over a month. 
of course the Browns would have to be facing this. I mean, let's let's be honest. It's it's the Browns. Does this surprise anyone? No, I don't think it can surprise anyone. Just like when uh, Lake Erie caught on fire, you know, nobody was surprised by that one either. Uh, so yeah, this is just another. That's really sad for the Browns. I mean, I feel bad for them. There was a lot of excitement maybe going into this season with all the players they got in the draft and. Here it is, your number one guy. It's the second time he's been injured during the preseason. Um, and so this is another one of those things where you just look at it, and it's, it's just a kiss to death with that team in that town. Well, I mean, he was having a phenomenal preseason as well. I mean, he was getting uh, one or two sacks a game. Um, he's going to be a very, very explosive player for years to come. Um, but two injuries in the preseason is not a, a great uh, – homage or, or, or what, what was the word I'm looking for? It's not a great omen. That was the right O word I was looking for. Uh, the right omen uh, for, for Cleveland to start this season. We already know it's going to be rough, but this is not helping. No. Well, let's be on. Okay. Quick timeout. Who's going to have the number one pick? The, the Jets. Okay, you think that so the Jets are going to be worse than the Browns this year? The, the Jets oh, yeah. are trying to suck already, and the season hasn't even started. <laughs> I don't know that the Jets even qualify as an NFL team. There, I mean, there's no, there's nobody on that team. There's no nobody. Not not since they traded the was it uh, Sheldon Richardson or whatever to the uh, to the Seahawks no, for Jermaine Curse and a, what was it a second or third round player? Yeah, I mean, that the, the Jets look really bad. They're, they have a decent shot at 0-16. I can't see him winning more than two games. There is one player, and that's Bilal Powell. That's it. That's hysterical. That's it. We're going <laughs> to talk about the, the challenges of being Leonard Fournette, and then we're going to reference Bilal Powell in the same conversation. <laughs> Bilal Powell has never had a fraction of the talent of the other guy. I, I'd rather take the guy who at least got some talent in his body. All right, Danny Woodhead is practicing in full this week. I actually somewhat got chastised by my work league because I didn't draft Danny Woodhead for the first time in four years. They couldn't believe it. I mean, I kept getting told, you know, Danny Woodhead's still available. Danny Woodhead's still – I know he's still available. He's and, no one, and everyone else is passing on it too. He's still going to be available. Um, I think he finally went in like the 10th round or something like that in our draft. Um, Jeremy Hill – with his ankle, is practicing on Wednesday. How many weeks until Joe Mixon takes over as the starting running back in Cincinnati? Over if, under week six. Under. Defi define starter. The starter and primary running back? Yes. Or the one who gets the first snaps? Primary, primary running back. Greg, you go first. Said, I'd say I'd say he has that locked up in under four. I take the over. I'm with Justin, and only because it took them till Giovanni Bernard was out for three games two years, two or three years ago. From week, I want to say it was eight, nine, and ten, or seven, eight, and nine for Jeremy Hill to finally get a start and run for two hundred yards a game in two out of three games. So. Because Hugh Jackson doesn't like um, using rookies too much and putting too much on their plate to begin with, I can see it have. I could see us having to wait. I think that 
um, Mixon will still be productive and still could provide running back two value, just like Jeremy Hill did when they brought him in to be, to be a bit of a bruiser when Giovanni Bernard was still the starter and main running back. Um, I still think that Mixon will produce, but I think Jeremy Hill is still going to get a lot of touches, unfortunately. Um, Travis Kelsey was removed from the week one injury report. We'll start against the Patriots. I think even if he was on the injury report, he still would have started against the Patriots. That's minor non-news. Um, he, let's see, Giants head coach Ben McAdoo says the decision on OBJ is a medical decision. He still needs to be cleared to play officially. He has not practiced. He did not practice today. It looks like so, or yesterday. He warmed up, but he did not participate in the official practice. Yeah, it was the first time he had been that he has been seen doing any sort of running in more outside of the facility. Yeah, so I'm not holding my breath on him being ready for week one. And even if he is ready for week one, I'm not holding my breath on him being super productive week one. Uh, I have a bold prediction, which we'll get to later, about OBJ. Okay. Coach John Harbaugh said Flacco will be ready to roll, quote, ready to roll, unquote, for week one against the Bengals. Not that it matters. So um, Tyrod Taylor will start week one. He has cleared concussion protocol. And ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports Pittsburgh and Phil. Oh, we already talked about that. Sorry. Seahawks wide receiver Paul Richardson is listed as a starter on the team's week one depth chart. I think he could possibly produce later on in the year. But to start off, I don't think he's fantasy relevant. So, all righty. Uh, I think really for the most part, I think that's about it that we need to cover for the um, – for the news and notes, why don't we go ahead and we'll get into some of our um, hot takes or bold predictions for the year. Uh, I hear the baby waking, so I need to go take care of that. If you guys could go ahead, uh, guys, uh, Justin and Greg will cover you guys for a little bit, and I will be back in a few minutes. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll get this started with uh, kind of a warm-up bold prediction um, and, and feel free to comment on this Greg uh, but my one of my bold predictions is that LeGarrette Blount uh, finishes outside the top 30 running backs for the season uh, the reason for this is we've, we've touched on it previously in other episodes is that LeGarrette Blount has not been fantasy relevant for any team outside of the New England Patriots which I think speaks to the, the Belichick genius uh, and his ability to get the most out of the players that he has. But one of the other glaring stats, um, and I'll say this one until I'm blue in the face, is that the New England Patriots ran LeGarrette Blount last year out of the I formation a ton, giving him a lead blocker, which took an additional defender away from Blount uh, off the line of scrimmage. Um, he ran 121 snaps from the I formation. The Eagles do not have a fullback on their roster, there will be no one to take that lead linebacker or that lead tackler away from Blount in the backfield, which spells problems for a guy who doesn't have the burst uh, that he did when he was younger. So I see this as a serious problem. There was already talk of Blount maybe not even making the cut. Uh, what are your thoughts on Blount this year? Well, I think there's no way that if he's in Philadelphia, he produces anywhere near what he did last year. I mean, last year he just – 
you know, absolutely crush it by, you know, any measurement. What do you have? 18 rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's insane. He had over a thousand yards, also something that he's not exactly known for. So I, I think there's no way that he's double digit touchdowns. I mean, maybe 10 if, if all things went well, uh, but the yardage numbers are going to drop significantly. Uh, so I mean, I would agree with you on where he places. The question though is, does he play the season on Philadelphia? Uh, you know, who, look at all the running backs in New England brought in this offseason. You know, uh, they did that because they don't really necessarily like any given one of them. They all have flaws or unproven or whatever the situation may be. And if the time comes where LeGarrette Blunt is cast off of the Eagles, you know exactly where he's going to land. And at that point, you know, his fantasy fortunes will change. Yeah. Uh, what's one of your bold predictions for the year? Well, I, yeah, I've been hitting some bold predictions uh, so far with some of my uh, my bust predictions and so forth, like um, like Melvin Gordon. Uh, and I don't know that this is a a hugely um, you know bold prediction, uh, but I am going to say that this year um, both Carson Palmer and Eli Manning finish higher uh, in the fantasy standings. Uh, production-wise, than Russell Wilson. Now, I know that okay. you guys never like getting that that feedback, uh, but I do believe that both of those guys are poised to have, uh, you know, excellent years this year. I think both better than they were last year uh, because of either additions of personnel through signings like Brandon Marshall or people returning from injuries like John Brown. Uh, you know, in, in Carson Palmer's case, in the event that, you know, he actually plays. But uh, I think both of those guys end up producing, you know, better numbers, and their numbers were not terrible last year. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they end up, you know, in the top 10 by the time the year's over, certainly top 12. Uh, I, I agree that both Eli and Palmer will have good years. I still believe that Russell Wilson will have a good year. I think Eli can beat... Russell because of the weapons he has around him and their inability to run historically over the last uh, four seasons, no team in the history of the NFL has done what the giants have done in having a, a, a year Russ average of less than three yards per carry. No one else has done that in the history of the NFL for four straight years. So historically bad running from the Giants over the last couple of years. And now Eli has much improved weapons in a second wide receiver, in Brandon Marshall, a very, very talented and young Evan Ingram uh, coming out of the tight end slash wide receiver position, um, which I think bodes well. Uh, Carson Palmer will have a good bounce back here as long as John Brown can stay healthy. Um, I think that had to do more with Carson's issues last year, plus a little bit of being dinged up. Um, but I think I think Palmer is the one that I'm a little less likely to be uh, agreeing with you as, as better than what Wilson will do this year. Uh, I think Wilson can make up some things with his legs, uh, which will also help him out. Um, my next uh, bold prediction uh, is that Kareem Hunt finishes – not only as a top five fantasy running back, but he will finish ahead of Christian McCaffrey in the uh, rookie of the year voting on the offensive side. Um, right now, 
Christian McCaffrey is very dynamic. This is not a talent thing. This is more that right now, uh, I don't believe in the reports of a, a dual running back sharing load with Charcantric West out of Kansas City. I don't think it's going to happen. It may happen for the first game, but I think from what we've seen in the preseason, uh, I think uh, Hunt takes over that role and becomes the solo back. Uh, Jonathan Stewart is not going to disappear this year from Carolina. They're still going to be using him not as much as in previous years, but McCaffrey will catch a lot of the backfield. He'll get some running plays. Uh, but I think because Hunt is more relied upon as a RB1 solo, uh, I think Jonathan Williams eats too much into McCaffrey this year for McCaffrey to earn the Rookie of the Year. So that's why I'm going with Hunt, uh, not only to finish as the Rookie of the Year, but as a top five running back because Andy Reid's offense um, over the last 12 years has produced a running back one nine of those 12 years. I think this year is an additional year where that happens because of not only Hunt's ability to run the ball, but his ability to hang on to the ball. Once again, never lost a fumble in college, ever. In four years of starting, he fumbled the ball once but recovered it. He doesn't have fumbling issues, solid hands, solid running ability. That's why I'm going with Hunt this year. Well, I mean, I think that's a solid, um, you know, solid pick. I mean, I think definitely I agree with you as far as role in the offense it seems statistically there's going to be more opportunities uh, for Hunt. Uh, I think Reed's background speaks for itself. Uh, you know, top five, I think it's it's possible. If all those things go right, it's possible that he cracks at maybe around the five spot. Uh, I think that that could be a little rich. But I see it's completely logical that starting the season, you might expect him to finish, you know, in the top ten. If I'm looking at some of the guys, their names are in there right now, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Jay Ajahi, all guys I can see not finishing in the top 10, yeah. um, you know, type of thing. Now, when I think as far as what you're saying, as far as rookie of the year, um, you certainly have to like his chances. Um, he's certainly not as sellable a candidate, I don't think, part of that because of his market and just coverages that he's going to get. But, you know, I think if you look at who's going to be the rookie of the year on offense, it's got to be one of these running backs somewhere – you have all these backs that are being talked about that are going to play significant roles. Those are going to be the guys who are going to ultimately win it. Yeah, Dalvin Cook's another one that can, that's going to get a lot of hype because Murray's not going to eat a lot into his carries. No, no. absolutely not. All so, right. Ryan, give us one of yours. One of mine. Well, I'll go with the one that, the one that got uh, Greg to shake his head the most. How's that? Which one is that? <laughs> Amir Abdul. More than one. Amir Abdullah will play more than will play at least fourteen games and will finish as a high running back two on the season. We're talking about bold predictions. That is uh, bold. That is bold. Um, and again, this is more of a. It's not so much. Of, I don't have stats to you know really back. But again, he is the only. He is the only running back that they've had the last couple of years. That yes, he's been injured a lot. But in his time as the running back, he has produced uh, better as a runner than any of the other running backs that they have had uh, tried to put into that position. Um, even when Theo Riddick is healthy, they still pass the ball to Amir Abdullah out of the backfield. And Theo Riddick only catches the ball out of the backfield. That's about all he does. 
So um, I think that I believe they've also made a couple improvements to their offensive line, which hopefully can help protect Amir Abdullah. So um, I'm leaving a little room for him to still miss a couple games. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that he can finish 14. I think that he can play 14 games, and I think that that offense is enough that he is dynamic enough to not only be able to catch the ball out of the backfield um, and also to be able to run the ball to finish as um, because of his combined production be able to finish as a mid to high running back too. I, I agree that, I mean, Amir Abdul is fighting for his football career. So he, he's got two issues. One, he had the injury issues, but the other problem is when he was healthy, he fumbled the ball all the time. So he's got two things he's fighting against. Correct. Um, and so if either one of those, you know, nasty creatures rears their ugly head this year, you know, he's not going to be in the NFL anymore. You know, he's going to be fighting for a practice squad spot next year at best. Uh, so I, he certainly has the motivation, I think, to try to stick in it. Whether or not the other things work, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, fumbling and just like failure in general uh, goes with the city of Detroit. So that's not necessarily all Amir Abdullah's fault. Uh, <laughs> but the injury thing, you know, you can't really necessarily explain. So, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a bold prediction. I, I, you know, I like your cojones on that one, Ryan. Thank you. All right. Uh, did you guys both do one or two while I was gone? I think Justin did two, and I did one, though mine was kind of two in a way. <laughs> Which just, just a real quick review, Greg, what were your two? Well, I actually put Carson Palmer and Eli Manning above Russell Wilson by the end of the year. Well, yeah, I, yeah we're, we're okay. Just so you guys know, we're, having, <laughs> we're working on a little, uh, on a little um, Skull King football bet for this one because Greg obviously – if you've listened to our podcast at all, um, you know that he, especially this season, Greg is not high on Russell Wilson. And honestly, I almost feel like he doesn't take into the, he doesn't take into account the fact that Russell Wilson's stats were down last year because he was hurt. He had a, you know, he got his, his knee rolled over in week one and his ankle rolled over in week two and still played through them all. Um, so that obviously killed his mobility. This year, he's fully healthy. He's taken a couple pounds off so that he should be a little quicker. Um, so, yeah, so that's just so – we've got a little – he thinks that uh, Carson Palmer will finish, like he said, will finish above Russell Wilson and that the Arizona Cardinals will win the NFC West. That is affirmative. I believe in both of those things, as I believe – the earth is round. However, some believe it is flat, and that is okay. I am not here to judge. I am just saying I see things a certain way. You see things a little differently? That's okay. Uh, right. We'll see where it goes. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a good competition either way. I don't think, you know, in any sense either one of those uh, ends of the bet right or wrong end up uh, you know like a a, a landslide. No. One over, you know, one over the other. You know, I don't see Carson slinging 35 TDs and, you know, and Russell 24, uh, you know, type of thing. But yeah, I, I do see, you know, I do see Arizona as being, I think, in a slightly better position, uh, you know, this year to contend. And, and again, I see there's probably a one-game differential between the two. But I think in the, as far as the NFC breaks down, there's so much in the South and there's so much in the East uh, as far as potential to produce two teams to make the playoffs, I think the odd man out is the NFC West, and then ultimately what you see in the NFC North, where you have you know a, 
a Minnesota or a Detroit that's going to, you know, linger around, you know, like that, you know, the, the redheaded stepchild just trying to break into the playoffs there, you know, in the last second, but ultimately they'll be unseated by, you know, better teams in, in other divisions. All right. Um, uh, I guess I could give, I could give my second one. Uh, Cooper Cup will finish as a wide receiver two. Um, if you look at how much he has been targeted by um, by Jared Goff over this entire preseason, he has shown to be a Cooper has shown to be a very um, adequate uh, route runner um, with the ability to. While he, you know, I think his forty time or his lack of forty time was very overrated in the in the uh, combine. He, I think he ran like a four six four somewhere in there. He's never actually really been known as a speedster. He is a guy who can get get separation and use his body to separate from the defense to be able to catch the ball. Um, he has a decent sized frame. I think that he, you know, again, we're talking about a, a Rams team that's crappy, and so they're going to have to throw the ball a lot, and I think that Cooper Cup will be a, um, a large benefactor of that. And I, I can see him finishing as wide receiver, too, for the season. No comments. I do not rule it out completely, but I do think that's a bold prediction. That that's the point of this. Show. I think I think that in your mirror. <laughs> I think I think where Justin and I are coming in on this is we're probably not bold enough. Um, like I my I'm, next one. I'm <laughs> thinking for his next one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to come up with like Nick Folk's gonna have three rushing touchdowns. <laughs> Yeah, the kicker. <laughs> yeah, there's my prediction. Take that one, Ryan. All right, uh, Justin. What's what do we got for your your ultimate prediction? My my ultimate prediction, and I'll, I I like to, but I'll, I'll go with this one. Bilal Powell finishes as a low RB one, high RB two. And here's why. <laughs> Greg is muted and doesn't believe, and he's laughing. But let no, me he's laughing so hard, he's turning purple. Let me bring you some stats. Let me bring you some stats. Last year, he was the backup to Matt Forte, ran 131 times, and had a rushing average of 5.5. If you get him to 250 carries with the same average, that puts him at 1,400 rushing yards. He will be the primary back. The Jets got, have no one to throw to. He had, 50, he had 60 uh, receptions, 58 receptions for 388 additional yards. He only had five TVs, which also brought his value down. If he cuts into and has a similar year on the touchdown side, what Matt Forte has, that puts him right there at a RB1, RB2 threshold. Now, because the Jets don't have any receivers, they're going to stack the box, which may give him the only challenge that he has in trying to break through. But obviously the Jets have nothing in terms of passing. They have no wide receivers. They're going to run routes, and Bilal Powell is going to catch the ball. Bilal Powell is the offense. As sad as that sounds, I'm not saying they're going to win a lot of games, but Bilal Powell really is the only one here who's going to bring you any fantasy value and is going to be so heavily relied upon to do anything for the offense. He's going to be so targeted. So that's bold, and maybe now the boldest one, as, as Greg is now off of mute and has stopped laughing. But still, I see that 
very bold, but I really like Bilal Powell this year. Okay, real quick. I don't know how bold that actually is. Do you know where Bilal Powell finished in PPR last year? RB2. He was the running back overall in PPR. He was the running back 15 in some, in someone, some of them 16. So he finished as a high-end running back two already. Now, could he get up? He could, you know, if he gets more carries, yeah, he could possibly get up to that running back one. But he's already finished as a as a mid to high running back two. Matt Forte is basically there to hold up space. <laughs> Pretty much. The, the Giants were looking to get rid of him. He has, they owe him four million dollars. They were trying to offload someone to take that, uh, and obviously they couldn't find the Browns the couldn't Jets. afford that one. The, the, they're the Jets. Osweiler was already taken by Denver and the Browns, so no one else could afford any other mistakes. So uh, Matt Forte is there, but he's not really there. So I would agree with you that Matt Forte is not really there. And I agree with you that the only thing that's reasonably attractive on the Jets um, from a fantasy football perspective is Bilal Powell. Um, However, I would pose this question. Are the Jets more talented or less talented this year than they were last year? And I would argue less. So that's going to make Bilal Powell's job that much tougher in – I, I don't see that, you know, I can see the more carries, I can see the more targets and, and all this other things, but when you subtract that talent around them, it's like the Leonard Fournette argument again. If I go and I look at Jacksonville's roster, yeah, Blake Bortles is a disappointment. And maybe, you know, Chad Henney is, is nobody's bell of the ball, but those two guys might get a bust erected of them in New York uh, compared to what they're ruling out there at quarterback and let alone what the talent you have a wide receiver. Um, better overall environment. Uh, so, you know, that's where I would say that I would take Fournette in that situation. If I'm looking at, you know, you, you're looking – there's a whole line of ugly chicks, right? And you know <laughs> you know that there's two of them in there that you would possibly ever want to be seen with in public. So I'm with you. It's probably Fournette and Powell. I just think that Fournette's got in, – in better lighting – is going to be more desirable uh, than Bilal Powell. So, you know, and I think where the, now that you did get me with that, Ryan, he, he finished in the top 15. Getting back to the amount of rookies, though, they're coming in this year, how many of them are going to occupy the top 20 theoretically? You know, if we look at entering the year, how many of them could? You know, I think you expect that uh, Hunt would be a top 20 running back. You look at McCaffrey, you would expect he's going to be a top 20 running back. Uh, I think Ford Nets, a top 20 running back. Um, so you have, I think Joe Mixon can end up pushing for that depending on how the, you know, the carries break down. So you theoretically have four to maybe five guys new to the league this year that are going to be crowding, you know, that space that I think are arguably in better situations as well. So not trying to crush too hard on you, Justin. I just, it's just anything positive off of the Jets makes me chuckle. <laughs> well, we can, you know, we can understand that a little bit. So, um, Greg, did you have any more? Uh, as far as uh, bold predictions, um, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go real bold here, uh, and I would say uh, that Tarek Cohen, Tarek Cohen from the Bears, will finish as a top thirty running back by the end of the season. I can see that. I think if that guy gets ten touches a game. 10 to 12 touches a game, that's going to be enough opportunity for him to produce some decent 
you know, some decent numbers, um, you know, by the time the year is over. So even have maybe some decent touchdown numbers, albeit all of them on the, on the long side. Uh, but, you know, I think he's one of those dark horse candidates too, that's going to get, uh, you know, a lot of attention as the year goes on. And in the event that somebody like Jordan Howard goes down, Jeremy Langford's gone. Kadeem Carey sucks. I mean, he went to the U of A. I mean, he's not, <laughs> come on. Uh, so, you and know, he has look, a wrist injury. Right. And yeah, he's, he's banged up. So, you know, then, I mean, all of a sudden uh, Cohen's could be in a, a position to really shine, you know, for that offense, I think as, uh, as the season goes on and he's not going to get any attention on fantasy rosters for a good chunk of the season, I would assume. That's yeah. He's, uh, uh, let me see. I know that right now he's one of the, one of the, uh, one of many that are very much uh, on the low end just because, you know, they weren't drafted high, so people don't, you know, people aren't paying attention to their name. So I think really the only reason that Chris Carson is getting as much, you know, airtime as he is right now for the Seahawks is because he pretty much just plain outperformed everyone else in the Seahawks' backfield during the preseason. So, all right. Um I'm going to go, I think, uh, this is my last one. I only had three, really, because I tried to put, like I told these guys earlier, I tried to put one down. I just couldn't do it because I kept laughing so hard that I just know it's not going to happen. So, uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, I have Terrell Pryor finishing. You know, I'm going to be really bold. Terrell Pryor will finish as a top five wide receiver this year. Oof. I had top ten. Yeah, I don't think ten's bold enough. So who's no. your, who's who's your five then? If Terrell Pryor is going to be in the top five, and let's just say he's five, who are your other four? Uh, AB, Julio, okay, okay. Antonio Evans. Brown, yeah, Antonio Brown, Julio, and I could see I could even see Julio dropping down a little bit, to be completely honest, um, with his injury history. Um, AJ Green, and Jordy Nelson. I was about to say you got to go Jordy. I think that I think that uh, Jordy, but Jordy Nelson could see a drop off this year. Um, just just age wise, could see a drop off this year. Um, well, there's also a whole lot more weapons there. Yeah, they do have more weapons to use in, in Green Bay. You've got uh let's see what else. Um Mike Evans, I'm just not there's more there's more weapons to use in Tampa Bay as well. Um I think that if they were smart, they'd focus more on the on the running game. I mean, to be completely honest. Well, in the second half of the year, Evans fell off the yes, map. He did. Because he started off hot, and then second half of the year he was not a top one. Yeah, I mean AJ Green is the only is the only real pass catching weapon in Cincinnati. Therefore, he you know as long as he stays healthy, he'll finish up there. Um, again, we're I'm I'm trying to make a bold prediction, and I I think that Terrell Pryor will finish in the top ten. I want to be bold and think that he can finish in the top five. So certainly possible playing with Cousins and the numbers he put up last year. I mean, I think he's in a much better situation. I think he's an upgrade to what Cousins had before. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm really high on Pryor going into this year. I mean, I would basically take him every chance I get. Um, I did. <laughs> you know, in, in, in the draft, I got him, you know, in a, in a draft last week. So I was really, you know, really happy with that. Yeah. Uh, 
the one thing uh, here's one stat that uh, I saw in one of the discussion groups that I'm in that uh, since Jay Gruden became the coach of the Redskins, the only teams to throw more is it throw for more yards um, than the Washington Redskins are the Patriots, the uh, Saints, the Falcons, and the Packers. Those are the only four teams that have thrown for more yards than the Washington Redskins since Jay Gruden became the coach three years ago. And all of those years, the quarterback was a quarterback one or two. Yeah. So. I have, I'm going to jump in with a super bold prediction that's a little bit longer term. It's going to encompass the offseason. Okay. I believe Russell Wilson will be traded. <laughs> that is going to be my prediction. You're out of your mind. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. If we look at where contracts are going, look at what Matthew Stafford just got. Yep. Now, who in their right mind, if you had a choice between those two guys sitting in front of you right now, exact same contracts, who would you rather have? Is there anybody who says Matthew Stafford? No. No. No, there's not a single person who does. What's going to happen with the contracts as we push forward here? They're just going to keep going higher. When you look at Russell's contract, it's downright desirable. It's got a little bit of time left on it. And there's a lot of quarterbacks coming up in this draft. So what I think is that guy's got a heck of a lot of value potentially, um, you know, in, in a rebuilding effort. You could get quite the haul in draft picks, pull off a Dallas Cowboys-like Herschel Walker deal, get yourself four first-rounders or something insane from a team like the Jets or whomever. Uh, that's where I see Russell Wilson's future being because to your point in the offensive line, the other things they want on that team, you're not going to get that with, you know, $100 million players. You'd be better off starting with a younger, talented guy or whatever and just or just have a serviceable dude. But I'm telling you, I think that that guy is actually potential trade bait if they, if they, if they struggle again this year, you know, because – Let's say they don't make the playoffs. Because yeah, right, because they struggled last year going ten five and one. Right, but what did they get out of it? Russell Wilson's won ten games every year since entering the league. That's why he's so desirable to trade. <laughs> That's why they're not going <laughs> to trade him. Uh, Seattle will not trade away it, it, to get away from fantasy. Seattle will not trade away the quarterback that brought them the Super Bowl. It won't happen. It's it's like. It's like the coach that brings the Seattle Mariners to the World Series and wins will be allowed to stay in Seattle until they die, essentially. <laughs> That's how, quote-unquote, loyal to a fault and how desperate, let's just be honest, Seattle sports fans are for, for their, I don't want to say relevancy, but for their the droughts. I mean, for the longest time, Seattle – Hadn't won, a, hadn't won a Super Bowl since the 70s when they got started. The Mariners still are the only baseball team in Major League that has never been to a World Series. Forget winning one. They haven't even been Forget to winning one. one. They haven't even been to one. So I think that's a little crazy. I think, I think you're trying to out-bold the bold <laughs> prediction with some craziness. But let me, let me get to my next one. Let me get to my next one. And this one is back to the reality on the realm of possibilities. I believe this year that Randall Cobb finishes ahead of Devontae Adams in fantasy production. And here's why. Um, currently right now, 
Devontae Adams, uh, if you were to draft today, is going as 4-9 in a PPR draft, round 4, pick 9. Randall Cobb is going in round 8, pick 6. Two years ago, Jordy Nelson was out for injury. Devontae Adams couldn't do squat, and Randall Cobb was essentially double teamed, and this was the year of the relax from Aaron Rodgers. Um, so that's why the production went down from Randall Cobb. There was no other real consistent receiver to go to, so teams could double and tee off on Randall Cobb. Last year, Nelson is back. Devontae Adams now is the resurgence because Randall Cobb is injured almost the entire season battling uh, issues off the field and was never 100% healthy. Devontae Adams had one outlier year. It is not the norm. It is the outlier. I believe this year, even on the depth chart, Randall Cobb is the number two receiver. He's going to come back. If he's fully healthy, he will come back. And you will see more of a Devontae Adams come down and Randall Cobb come up. And I think they slightly shift. I'm not saying Randall Cobb drastically outperforms, but I believe that Randall Cobb is better than Devontae Adams this year in terms of production. And is and you're able to get him in round eight as opposed to round four. I agree with you there. I think that Dev- Adams... Adams is going through right now, went through this uh, this draft season, through the same thing that Cam Newton did in 2016. Oh, blew everyone, the doors off, and then everyone loves him. Everyone expected him. Oh, he is now he is now the guy. No. 2015 was an outlier for Cam Newton. He's not going to do that this year. He didn't do it last year. 2015 was the outlier for Devonte Adams, it was what his third year in the league. I still see it as a bit of an outlier. He is not going to produce twelve TDs this year. There's a lot more production that's going to go to um, to Randall Cobb as long as Cobb stays healthy. And yes, I agree with you. I think that Cobb will finish will finish uh, better than Devonte Adams. Yeah, because three years ago, Randall Cobb was a top eight receiver in PPR. Do you guys have another one, or do I go again? I'm I'm done with them. So, looks uh, like you overprepared for tonight. I have I have two more. Uh, another crazy one is I believe OBJ Odo Beckham Jr. finishes outside the wide receiver one position, and here's why. Woo. Yes, I believe that Eli Manning has a great year. Odo Beckham Jr. is entering his third season. Yep. Now, uh, no, third fourth, or fourth, fourth. season. Fourth season. Uh, fourth season. So, can you name me another offensive weapon at wide receiver that's been on the roster when he was there? It's only been four years. You can't really name another offensive wide receiver weapon. Sterling Shepard was great, got eight touchdowns last year. Great, cool. But now you're bringing in Brandon Marshall, who is not necessarily quite still in the RB1 category, but a huge talent that will eat into his targets. It will also, yes, people say, too many people believe that people won't double-team OBJ anymore. Well, that's not only the case, but now there's another target on the other side of the field to throw to. Add in Sterling Shepard, add in uh, Evan Ingram again, and you now have four legitimate wide receiver targets for Eli Manning to throw to. He's not going to have just the one to OBJ. And there were two games last year where OG. Uh, Odo Beckham Jr. disappeared completely. 
Odo Beckham Jr. at times can lose his head, especially if he plays Washington against Josh Nor or against Norman. That's going to be like primetime TV. Uh, watch the Saturday Night Live skits all over again, just watching those two act like children. Um, but I think there's a lot of talent there, and already with injury issues, I think Odo Beckham is worried more about his long-term career and doesn't want to necessarily get injured and may play a little bit safer as opposed to get injured. There's already been talk about him getting the insurance policy to uh, that would guarantee his ability to make the money that he would make on a contract at the end of the year. And so I think there's some things working against him. Bold. That's I, I'm just not – I passed Odo Beckham Jr. in a draft at the sixth position. He fell to six, and I still picked Jordy Nelson above Odo Beckham Jr. Well, I think Nelson's a, I think Nelson's a lower risk pick there. I, I mean, I could see doing that myself. I do think that there's risk with OBJ. Like you said, he loses his head. He is starting the season off with an ankle injury. He is worried about making sure he gets the big payday. Um, and you do have the the additional talent that's been developed over the course of the last two seasons around him. So, um, you know, I, I, I could see a drop off there. I, I mean, I don't know if he can fall out of a, the top 10 or the top 12, uh, but I could see him being at the bottom of it, not at the top of it. Yeah, I. Uh, it's bold. It's bold. It's, a, it's bold. <laughs> um, no one else has had a a bold anti Odo Beckham Jr. prediction that I've heard from all the other avenues. Yeah, er, you know, everyone else is, you know, you know, he'll be back to being the number one. So, no, I like it. All right, Justin, what's your last one? We'll go ahead and close out the show. Uh, my last one is that Philip Rivers finishes as a top six fantasy quarterback this year. Problem is he'll do that for the first half of the season and then fall off the second half like he does every season. Okay, fine. But <laughs> let me finish my statement. This is my bold prediction. Um, last year, he had to build chemistry with brand-new guys in uh, Kelvin Benjamin and Tyrell Williams. He now has Allen back. Hunter Henry also was a rookie last year. I don't necessarily think Hunter Henry is going to get the same touchdown volume, but I think he gets more passes. Um, already with us not believing in Melvin Gordon's value as a number one running back in fantasy, I think that leads to more passing. Uh, also, the Chargers' defense is not good at all. They're going to need to throw the ball throughout the game. They're not going to get into a ball control, we're ahead by a lot of touchdowns kinds of games this season. So they're going to need to throw the ball. I see Phillip Rivers... Not necessarily getting the five thousand yard mark, but I think high uh, four thousand yards. Um, he still will throw his his interceptions. I think he gets thirty plus TDs, teens to high teens on interceptions. So that might bite you a little bit. Um, but I I'm a, a big believer in Philip Rivers as a quarterback value this year. Still sitting on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues. I would agree from a production standpoint. I mean, he, he always ends up there towards, you know, by the end of the year. His numbers are solid relative to the fact that he's, he's generally not drafted or drafted incredibly low, but generally not drafted. Uh, so I think the, from a value perspective, uh, he's about the safest value play, you know, that's out there. And he could certainly finish as a top, 
is a top 10 quarterback, um, you know. So, I, yeah, again, it's, it's the turnovers. It's the rub that you take with a handful of those guys, with Eli, with Breeze, with, uh, you know, and, and with Rivers. They throw a, the ball a ton, a lot of yards, a lot of turnovers. Yeah, I, you know, again, my, my thing with Rivers is he's had so many seasons where he's been in the top, you know, top five or even, you know, even the top uh, fantasy quarterback halfway through the year and then just falling off the second half of the season. So um, it's bold. I, I like it. Well, I think it's the first season where he's not expecting one to three children too. So that might help production. <laughs> yeah, I saw, what I, was, I saw one comment about, you know, that, they, you know, they're nine children. I think it's nine that they have now. They have nine. They have nine. They have nine nine, nine children. And that was it. One bless that woman. <laughs> one, 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 I think one person's comment was, "Yeah, the kids are just kind of walking out of her now at this point." <laughs> right. Exactly. So, he's trying to create a new football team. Is what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it for for tonight. Uh, we want to thank you, everyone, for for listening in. Whether you listened in. Uh, on the live streams on Facebook or Twitter or on Instagram. Um, we really appreciate you guys taking a little bit of your night to, uh, to hear what we have to say. Um, we want to thank everyone who's listening to us, whether it be on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn, YouTube, wherever you're watching us or listening to us. We really uh, appreciate you guys taking the time. Um, and you know, let's let's play a little football. It's it's good to hear that. Uh, it's nice to know that uh, football is starting up. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, starting up tonight, um, Thursday night with the uh, the Patriots and the Chiefs. Um, make sure that you guys make the proper adjustments for your teams. If you have anyone from Miami or or Tampa Bay, if you have Jameis Winston, you know, make sure to pick up uh, Jay Cutler. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, um, you know, make sure that you make the proper adjustments uh, for for if you have you know Jameis Winston or Mike Evans or Jay Ajayi, those guys from Miami and uh, and uh, Tampa Bay, since uh, their bye week uh, has now become week one with uh, Hurricane Irma. And for all of those who are in, especially in the Florida area this weekend, um, you know, we've got uh, you know our one of our writers Dante, who's down there. Um, that wanted to join the show tonight, but he's in the middle of uh, hurricane prep. So, um, our thoughts and prayers. You know, we're you know, hoping for uh, the the storm to settle down a bit uh, before it uh, before it uh, hits Florida. So, um, again, thank you all for for listening. Again, this is the Skulking Fantasy Football Podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you guys all later. Hey, Skulking Nation! Thank you for listening to the Skulking Football Podcast. Did you like this episode? If so. Be sure to go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube to subscribe. Also, please leave us a rating and reviews to let us know how we can better help you rule your leagues. Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. 
I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.